Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Well, it's good to be here. I'm excited. And yes, I did get engaged on Tuesday. Uh, thank you. Thank you to Maddie. So it's been an incredible week, um, but it's good to be in the house of God this morning sharing around the word. So why don't we pray together? Lord God, I thank you that you are here, that you are among us, that you are not a distant God, but you want to have relationship with us. And Lord, I just pray that as your word is spoken this morning, that it would just go forth and achieve what you've sent it to achieve this morning, and I wouldn't get in the way of that. And everyone said, amen, amen. So I grew up in church. I grew up through Sunday school. Um, And one thing about me is I have a very uh, image-driven imagination. So when I heard stories and and uh, when I heard things shared from the Bible and, well, pretty much anything, I imagined it in pictures in my head. And that resulted in some fairly interesting uh, understandings of the world. As a kid, I thought that my body was sort of inside the little shelves. And on each of the little shelves was one of those little Pixar sort of lamps because light bulbs mean ideas, so I thought there's probably a bunch of light bulbs inside of me. And, and I thought when I heard that Jesus lived inside of me too, I thought he had his own little shelf just about here, and he used to hang out, and Jesus was actually inside of me. And when I heard uh, the story of the day of Pentecost, where tongues of fire came and rested upon the early church and the early believers, I actually imagined a bunch of people whose heads were on fire, and I thought I'd probably scream and make a bit of noise myself as well. And so I understood the Bible and stories and things in pictures. And another one that I understood, and this one isn't as crazy as the running around with heads on fire, was the narrow and the wide gate. In Matthew 7, 13 to 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many may enter through it, But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. See, I saw it as a a linear sort of experience where we're born and we work our way forward, and at the end, if we've made all the right actions and we've done all the right things, we'll end up at the good gate, the small gate that not many people find according to Scripture. And if you don't do the good things, and you don't fall, uh, you don't find the good habits, then you'll end up at the wide gate, where a lot of people end up. So I saw it as a linear model. So you have the big gate up here, and you have the small gate sort of off in the corner, and you have the big wide road here, and you've got a little laneway that you might be lucky enough to stumble upon, which is narrow and hard to find, and that's how I saw it. Fair enough. That's sort of how it's explained. I saw a road. It said a road. I saw a road. And you have to, it's a struggle to get onto this road to find the narrow gate. But the Lord's been speaking to me over the last couple of weeks, and and He dropped something on my heart that sort of changed the way that I see this and changes the way that I picture this. The first thing I realized that the word road, path, actually refers to a manner of thinking, feeling, and deciding. It's not about a physical road or one set of actions that we must follow to get to a particular gate. 
Because if it's a separate road, it means that we have to take specific actions. It's focusing on the doing. That we have to do all the right things and not do the wrong things. And if we make that choice, that will result in us getting to the gate. And if we do the wrong things, like everyone, a large majority of people do, then we'll end up at the wrong gate. But what changed in my thinking was it's actually not a road at all, as I see it in my head, or used to see it in my head. And there's still the two gates, but instead of being a road, it becomes a way of living. So now I saw arrows. Now there was a lot more arrows going this way, and there was a few arrows going this way. So it's not focused on the actions, but it's almost like you could go anywhere in this board and still end up at either gate, depending on the way we live. So who we are being. So it's less about the doing, because we've got to understand that doing is the fruit of being. So God is more interested in who we are, who we are being, and the fruit of that will be how we act and what we do. But the first check, the first thing can't be actions, because God changes our hearts, and he says, if you love me, I'm not worried, you're going to follow my commands. If you love me. It wasn't a, if you love me, you will. It's a, if you love me, it's just going to happen. So he's focused on our being. The second thing I noticed about this scripture was the word used to describe the narrow way. It actually means pressed down upon like grapes, like pressure, being squished. The description of the narrow way is a compressed way. It's difficult to handle. It's difficult to do. So it's not about the size of a road, but it's actually about what it takes and what we have to withstand to be the person that God is calling us to be, which will result in our actions being in the way of the Lord. Scriptures, they guarantee persecution. They guarantee, it guarantees that we will hit struggles if we choose to follow Jesus. But how this changes the model a little bit now is instead of having a linear understanding of we start here and we move towards here and depending on who we are and what we do, we'll end up at the right gate. Instead of that, I saw it as there's a big gate up here. Let's make it even bigger, just for dramatic effect. And there's a little gate down here. And we know that it's not about a road as such. It's about a way of being. So we get plonked somewhere here when we're born, and we're automatically geared to face the big gate because that is the way that our society is looking. We live in a broken world. The news over the last week has shown that the world we live in needs something. And so we're plonked somewhere here, and the natural grain of the world is to go towards this gate. 
And the idea of pressure, the idea of being crushed down like grapes became apparent because if we choose to follow Jesus and we choose to aim towards the narrow gate, we choose to be who he's called us to be and therefore act out of that being, then we choose to go that way. And the pressure comes because that is not the way the world works. So we are countercultural in this world when we are of the kingdom. And my understanding, now I know that doesn't really change much in the whole meaning of that verse, but it's just how I saw it in my head. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. I should share that. Because what this changes for me is it's not about taking myself out of the world, living in a little bubble, doing church on Sunday, and trying not to talk to anyone during the week who isn't a Christian because that might send me back towards the big gate. No, it's actually, we live in this, we are in the world but not of it because we are going in a different direction. We are going in a different direction. I think this is pretty exciting. So I used to understand it as a set of prescribed actions that dictate how I live, a religious habit. If I do the right things, I'll get to the small gate, and that's all I'm worried about. That's a religious habit. Rather than living in a, a, a choosing a manner of thinking and feeling and deciding that directs how I act, driven by love. Because to truly live in this, we have to be driven by love, otherwise we will try to separate ourselves away from the world so we don't have to deal with it. But if we look at the life of Jesus, he did not live away from society. He lived smack bang in the middle of all the drama that was happening at that time because he was the drama. Because he introduced a way of, hang on a sec, it's not about just following the grain. And it's not about just following a set of actions that will eventually get you into heaven and that's all that matters because that is a selfish approach. Rather, it's living in, enduring the pressures that comes from living counterculturally to the world so that everyone you come into contact with, you have an opportunity to show there is another way. The narrow way is to follow the leading of Jesus, not a uniform set of actions because that is trying to make a road instead of living in the way. If we try to make a set uniform set of actions that we all follow and if we follow them, that's just creating a road instead of actually living in the world but not of it. So what does that mean for how we live our lives if we're living under this pressure? Because that's what it is. The Bible's not shy in saying that following Jesus, it costs something. Pick up your cross and follow me. It costs everything. It costs everything, but it costs Jesus everything. 
And simply because he did that for me, he did that for you, he did that for everyone, even if they don't know it yet, is enough for me to be driven to withstand any pressure that comes my way to show a world love that it is missing. Because that is what we're called to do. Recon, reconciliate, uh, reconcilers, I got there, of the world. Because he is working through us. We need to live as Jesus did for the sake of love. Love for every person who has not yet seen the way. Not the road, but the way. Not remove ourselves from the people of the world, creating a separate road and trying to live separate and just get our golden ticket and get into heaven. But we have to realize that every single person we come into contact with, every cafe we go to, every shop we go to, every time we go to work, we are surrounded by people, we are surrounded by souls who Jesus died for. They just don't know it yet. So I'm going to illustrate this through a story of Jesus and a triangle. It'd be a bit of fun. We're going to have some fun with this one. I love this story because it's just crazy. It's just weird. And if we put it in the context of today, it's, when I read this story, it's almost like I read it saying, yeah, that's normal for that time. But this is one of those stories who it doesn't matter what time, what history, what Jesus does in this story is just weird. And there's no way you can spin it that really changes the fact that Jesus was just a crazy guy. But he did it following the way of the Father for us. So we're in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, and verse 1, it says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him. They were, so I reckon they were sort of proud that they knew the old law. and they were, you know, the, So they, they asked the question, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or because of his parents' sins? Because in Exodus it describes that there is an inherited sin. And so that was their understanding. But Jesus totally throws it all on their heads and says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Okay, that wasn't what they were expecting. But the question is this, how do you see situations that are not of God? How do you, what, what is your perspective on situations that are not of God. The first thing he rules out here is it's, you don't get sick because you've done stuff wrong. That's the first thing he, he just wiped out there. And he says, no, no, we, need to, we just need to readjust. So that's the first thing that was gone. See, we live in a broken world, as I've said earlier. And we need to understand that the world itself is groaning for the day for things to be restored. But right now, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does. And he does. So those things that happen in our worlds, how do we see them? Because we see over and over again in the Bible amazing things happen, seemingly hopeless situations that totally changed. 
pregnancies where pregnancies were just thought not possible, broken people being made whole, healings, incredible victories. And we think, how nice, how nice is all that stuff? But when it comes to my life, that situation's a little bit different because it's not in a book. I'm actually witnessing it It happen in front of me. And I've come to the conclusion there's just nothing I can do about it. There's just nothing I can do about it. But here's the thing. We can. We need to bring our thinking in line with kingdom thinking. Jesus was making clear here that sin does not, uh, sin does not cause sickness. Actions do not result in punishment by pain from God. It doesn't, it's not the way it works. Rather, he was pointing out in all situations that are not of God, there is an opportunity for his glory to be displayed through the love of the Father for his children, whether they know him yet or not. Every time we see darkness in our world, we can either say, that's too bad, it's just the way it is, or we can understand that we are carriers of light, and every time we see darkness... It is a potential to shine light in that situation, which brings us to the first line of the triangle. So we have God up here, and we have the first line of the triangle, and here is you. And this line here is called the action potential. I won't write, you won't be understand my writing anyway, it's kind of messy on whiteboards, but AP, action potential. The message that God points out something that's dark and he's saying, why don't you go do something about it? Someone in your office is having a hard time at home, why don't you just go up and say how wonderful they looked this morning or how well they did on that last job? Just that little bit of encouragement, just that prompting. That's a, the action potential is the prompting to do something about something that isn't of God. Because God desires for each of his children to be at home. He, he, he desires, his, his love is furiously chasing every single person. Furiously unrelenting love that is chasing his children. Not to punish, but to welcome home. Everywhere darkness consumes is another opportunity to see light conquer, and we are being called to be that light. We have the action potential, the prompting, the, why don't you just do this? You're like, no, that's weird. Why don't, why don't you just, no, no, sorry, I'm not doing that. Or you, we just ignore it, or we're busy, or we're doing things but we have an action potential if we know Jesus. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. 
The second line is the action line. It says, we must be quick to act on what the one who has sent us has given us to do. That is where we have the choice. We say, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you helping? Why aren't you, Why aren't you listening? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. But we are called to act. We are called to act. What do we do in those opportunities? When you act on what he has sent you to do, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the pool that Jesus sent him to go to was called sent. I think that just works a little too well to say, I'm just good. We were sent. And when we go to where we are sent, miracles happen. The atmosphere begins to shift because God partners with. He partners with. If we worked for God in the sense where he was our boss, we would just do it because we have to. But it says that we are partners with him. And so he is relying in some ways on the people that he has chosen and called to act. And when we partner with him, we bring hope to a dying world by the Holy Spirit that he flows through us. If we see the straight and narrow as that separate road hidden away in the forest, so much so that the people on the broad road can't see us, we're missing something. We automatically shut out the leading of the spirit that lives, but we have the golden ticket, so we'll be okay. We can't create a separate road that pulls us apart. We need to be living under the action potential everywhere that we go. We are breathing for a reason, and when we are tuned into the Holy Spirit, we see the darkness, and then by God's leading, we step out in faith to act upon it. Jesus lived 100% for others, and until we realize that his love that we have received is not for us to keep, if we don't realize that, that the love that we've given isn't just ours to keep, we will never fully understand and never fully experience the love of Jesus. Until we realize what we have is 100% for the person who doesn't know it yet, we will never experience fully the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter how many songs we sing, it doesn't matter how many times we cry in a worship service, we will only experience a small part. It's not until we turn that love out will we fully understand what Jesus was all about. Even when it feels like the strangest thing in the world, I mean, there isn't too much stranger than spitting in the mud and rubbing it, rubbing it in someone's eyes. I think Jesus was making a point here that even if what the action potential seems to be really weird, but you just know that it's God, and you're just like, but I don't want to. It's weird. I hope this story springs up in your mind and says, yeah, but Jesus, that yours tops mine. Could you imagine going to a shopping center, and you see someone with a uh, visual aid, 
and you walk over, tap him on the shoulder and say, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I can't see very well, but I'm doing good. So, well, I can do something about that. And then he, he sort of hears you sort of spit, and he's just like, oh, this is getting weird. And then you pick up the mud and shove it in his face. Slightly weird. But here's the thing. If we make a separate road, we limit the power of God to what we can understand and what we've prescribed as the right actions. You can't limit an infinite God. You can't do it. We like to think we can sometimes, but it's not possible. What God is saying is open up your imagination just a little bit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Live in the action potential. It's not describing, the narrow way is not describing a set order of steps. It's it's describing a way of living that you could live anywhere in here, but you're going to the small gate. We need to be under the action potential. And we need to be open to what the Spirit is calling us to do because here's the thing. If we know Jesus and we're not doing anything with what he's given us, the world isn't going to be fixed because he's calling for us to partner with him. We need to live for the sake of love. When we do not fear, fear cannot hold us back from acting upon what we know we are being sent to do because we know it will impact people's eternities. A person's eternity is more important to me than embarrassment. Now, that's really easy while I'm holding a microphone and I'm in front of a bunch of people who will say amen. But when I'm out there, for me, this becomes very, very different. But it's something we need to continuously work towards. I can by no means say that I'm awesome at this. At all. (laughs) But it's living under the action potential and saying, God, I will follow you and live for the sake of love like you did when you were on the planet. So the blind man gets healed. His friends find out and said, you're not, there was an argument saying that's not the same guy. And the other one's like, yes, it is. So they took him to the Pharisees and said, this guy was healed. They had to do that because it was on the Sabbath and that's not in the prescribed set of actions. So they were freaking out a little bit. The Pharisees then get mad saying, how did this happen? Where were you? Where's the guy? interrogated him. If they had lights, it would have been in his eyes. Candle, they sort of tried to make it intense. You can't really do that with candles. They're trying to interrogate this guy. Where's Jesus? What happened? Tell us again. And it didn't quite, he he just told the story and they're like, I don't know about this. So they called his parents and they interrogated his parents and his parents were so scared of the Pharisees, they said, he's old enough to look after himself. And so they called the guy back in who was healed And they said, tell us what happened. And the guy's like, are you for real? It actually says, seriously. I told you once, I'll tell you again. Told the story again. Pharisees still weren't happy with it. 
I love this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. When the way that we think is the set actions is challenged, I think that's an exciting time because the Holy Spirit is doing something. If we live under the action potential, it is an exciting life because God is so much bigger than what our brains can come up with. Even my imagination, which goes to some pretty weird places sometimes, God is still bigger. God is still greater. And it is exciting when we realize the power we've got. If you've seen superhero movies, think about the, at first the excitement that Spider-Man gets when he first gets his Spider-Man powers. And he doesn't say, oh, that's, that's not too good. And he just ignores it. Because that would be awesome if you could climb walls and like swing around on webs. Uh, probably just my age showing or my maturity showing, I should say. But that's a cool thing. It's the same thing when we meet Jesus and we're infused with the greatest power ever to exist full stop, and we just think it's like, oh, that's nice, and we go for our golden ticket. No, we need to live in the action potential. So then the man comes back to Jesus. So I'm getting distracted just because I'm excited, but we'll, get, we'll finish, we'll finish. So he comes back to Jesus, and Jesus said, I heard what happened. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. <laughs> I love this bit. This is probably my favorite bit. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they can see that they are blind. It gets better. The Pharisees, some of them who were standing nearby, heard him and asked, What are you saying? You're saying we're blind? This is the best answer. This goes to show just how awesome Jesus was. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Oh, that one hurt. I could just see their jaws dropping to the point they wouldn't have known what to say. Jesus would have just walked off, you know, with his big carpenter arms walked off. They didn't know what to do. But here's the thing. It brings us to our last line, reconciliation. And this is the person or the situation that we're called to be impacting. The last line is reconciliation. I love what Pastor Alan Meyer has been ministering over the last few weeks, and he kept saying this line, and I thought, that is brilliant. He says, good works creates goodwill, which opens hearts for the good news. That is amazing. That's exactly what this triangle is representing. To whom much is given, much is required, and the love of God is considerably large, and we have been given it. So that means the responsibility we now have is particularly significant. Jesus pointed out that the religious leaders were guilty because they claimed they knew God, but they didn't show his love, and Jesus called them out on it. I do not want to be someone who is guilty because I'm up here saying I can see stuff, and I don't go and live in his love. I do not want to be that person, because if we get the action potential and we don't do anything with it, we're saying we know God, we love God, we feel God, we experience God, but... That's a bit, nah, that's not me. That was the Pharisees. 
And Jesus was pretty straight with them. <laughs> we have to live in the action potential, act towards people and situations where darkness exists because we are called to bring the light that we've been given from God. And in that, we will see that situation or that person be reconciled with the Father. Now, yes, it takes a while sometimes. This, this line isn't necessarily an uh, instant thing. Sometimes it's just a slow, one month, five years, ten. It, do, it doesn't matter. The time on this line is in the hands of God because God makes the seed grow. We can water and we can plant. This is the watering and this is the planting. And if we're faithful with this, even if it's praying for a family member for 20 years, that is living in the action potential and that is acting in what we know we need to do for that person and God will look after the growth. But if we miss any of these steps, people are missing out on being reconciled to the Father. Bit of a challenge. Bit of a challenge. But it's exciting. We need to be his love in this world, finding the narrow and choosing the difficult way by going against the grain. And in doing so, we will see people reconciled to the Father, which there is no greater joy in heaven or in earth when someone comes home, when someone finds the love of the Father. If the band want to get up, we're going to pray. We are called to love. We are called to live in it. We are called to live it out. Why don't you close your eyes? We're going to pray. If you're in this place and you've never experienced the love of the Father and you want to, then He welcomes you home. There is no prerequisite. There is no, He just wants you. Because the being happens first when He touches your heart and then the doing comes after. The one thing that we need to realize is Jesus loves every person furiously chasing after every child, even if they don't know Him yet. And all you have to do is pause, turn around, open your arms, and He will just give you the biggest bear hug. He's not chasing you to tell you off. He's chasing you to show you His love. So if that's you in this place this morning, you've never asked Jesus into your life. You've never said, I want a relationship with my heavenly Father. I want that hug. I want to feel that love, and I want to be that love. Then why don't you just raise your hand right now, and we're going to pray. No one's looking around. No one's going to embarrass you. It's just you saying, God, I'm coming home. And if you're in this place and you realize that you need to make a choice to live out this love that you've been given, and I'm in this one too, and you need to pull yourself or jump back into the action potential, 
the excitement, start to realize what we have inside of us. And you want to be challenged and you want to be stretched and you want to be presented with opportunities that won't leave you alone until you do something about it. If you respond to this and say, I want that, I guarantee God will start to tap on the door of your heart and it won't leave you alone. But that is what breaking your heart for the people who don't yet know him, that's what he wants to do this morning. And if that's you, I want you to stand right now and we're going to pray. Be bold. Be bold. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray. Followers of Jesus aren't going to be quiet, but we're going to be love. We're not going to be absent from the world. We're going to be in it, and we're going to be influencing it through the love of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for what you've bestowed on each and every person who said they will follow you. And every person standing right now, myself included in this, God, we want to live in such a way that your lightness will just shine through us and every patch of darkness we come against, Lord God, we do not shy away from it. We do not walk past it. We do not walk around it. We do not find excuses, but we say, God... What will you have me to do in this situation? Infill with your courage. Infill with your wisdom. Infill with your creativity on how we can impact our worlds. Father, I pray that we will not be guilty because we say we can see, but really we're blind. We want to live in the action potential and be quick to act on the missions and the tasks that you have given us. Let your love be so apparent through every single person standing right now that when they go back into this week, this message would not just be a nice Sunday morning message, but it would be something that would shake the very foundations of their life and worlds, that they would be encouraged and, and, and challenged to go out and be the difference that they know they can be. Everyone said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.